The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Amen. Jesus set his face like a flint to accomplish the redemption of God's people. Therefore, let us prepare our hearts to receive God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. O glorious one, we cast ourselves down before the face of a good God, a loving God. We acknowledge our sins and pray that you take away all our earthly desires, that we might learn not to seek the, the corruptible things of this world, nor look for our happiness in them. Grant that we find in you and your word all joy and glory in Christ, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. The slap that has been heard around the world. The slap that has been heard around the world. This is yet another episode in what our society calls cancer cancel, I'm sorry, cancel culture, cancel culture. I have to say that. Cancel culture, just another episode, the slap heard around the world. Now, by now, you probably have seen it or talked about it or somebody's talked to you about it. Uh, but was it last week in the 94th annual, 94th annual Academy Awards? While many of us don't even watch that and haven't seen it, haven't looked at it for years, uh, it, it has come to our attention, those who don't watch it, of something that happened during the awards, uh, an incident that took place during, uh, the, during the awards. It, it was an incident that was, even by worldly standards, bizarre. It was bizarre. It, it, it was outrageous. Uh, by what happened, by the actions that happened by one of the persons involved. But let me tell you just real quickly about what happened in case you had not heard, have not heard, which is fine with me. I'll tell you what happened during the awards ceremony. That was, I guess it's filmed live. But uh, during the awards ceremony, uh, the, uh, an actor there by the name of Will Smith um, slapped uh, a comedian, a popular comedian named Rock, Chris Rock. Uh, on the stage, and, and, and while the cameras were rolling and everybody's watching and taking place. Now, many of us thought it was a bit, thought it was just part of the show. We come to find out it was not part of the show. It was not staged. It was, again, something very bizarre, something very, very unusual. Basically, the comedian, uh, when he was part of the entertainment, was talking. He made a joke about... Uh, Will Smith's wife, who Will Smith was just sitting on the front row. So he makes a joke about it. It was, 
it was tasteless. It, now it could have, you know, it could be, a, it could have been perceived as a little offensive, but it was, it was rather mild, uh, just a joke, which is what comedians do um, at these shows. Now, while Chris Rock, while his joke was rather tasteless, Will Smith stands up and in. In indefensibly does something very violent in his response to the joke. He walks up to the stage and slaps Chris Rock. Again, people were in shock, thinking, hey, this is stage, this is a joke, this is part of it. And, and you come to find out that that it was not that he was responding to, to the joke. Uh, and, and when people found out it wasn't scripted, they were wanting retribution against Will Smith because this was basically an act of violence, an act that he took upon himself, which, which resulted in violence against somebody else. And subsequently, the Academy Award is thinking about filing charges. Chris Rock says he doesn't want to press charges against him. So that's kind of where it's at. But should action like this surprise us? Should this type of action surprise us? Even in, in the mainstream, even in a secular world where anything goes, like anything goes, and, and I'm okay, you're okay, is goes. And it's no longer, as long as we don't hurt anybody else, that's no longer a part of it. This violent behavior is the is is an ultimate result of what our society calls cancel culture okay cancel culture what does that mean you ask interestingly enough uh cancel culture is exactly what it infers it basically it is a movement in our society that is basically wanting to cancel anything that opposes its beliefs its belief system. Cancel culture will do anything it can to oppose uh, anything that, that, that is contrary to their uh, to what they believe in and what they want to do. Okay, their agenda, so to speak. And that could be political. It could also be religious. It could be any. Imagine anything. Okay. And so what what they the way they go about canceling you out is they use social media to do it, to attack you in social media, to, to, to basically shut you up, to cancel you out, to shut you down. And so they attack you that way and try to get the mainstream of society to be on their side and try to, to, to stop you. Okay, That includes whether you, whether you have a different political view than they do, or even a different religious view than they do. They don't care. They want to stop it. They want to cancel you out. They want to stop you. Okay. So the the incident that happened at the Academy Awards, the violent reaction was just another step in the process of cancel culture. They've already started like in demonstrations, let's say there's a political demonstration or demonstration or about whatever it may be, and you get cancel culture, culture going out there, their group, trying to cancel that demonstration down. Most of the time, it's, it's nonviolent. Sometimes there are crooks everywhere, so there, you might have somebody wanting to start violence, okay? 
But in another step for cancel culture, this is the next step. This is the step to actually go up and take physical, to be physical about it, to, to go up and physically stop you from talking. To physically show that you didn't like what this person said. That is what Will Smith did. He's a part of cancel culture. He goes up and instead of just, look, what would a normal person done? Just got mad at him or said something? Or maybe uh, even a Christian, maybe taking them afterwards, because they probably know each other, you would think. But maybe taking them to the back and said, hey, look, man, my wife really was kind of really offended by that. She was really kind of touchy about her hair. And, and, and told him, like, can you apologize to her? Chris Rockwell would have probably got on this and said, I'm sorry, it was just a joke. That's a normal behavior, but normal behavior for a normal person, you would think. But not if you want to stop any counter views that yours, that you, not when you believe that you were always right, you were in the right and everybody else is wrong. You would first attack them verbally, social media, and then you would go and, and do a violent, make a violent response by, in this case, slapping that person. By shutting them down, by slapping them. That is just the next step in, in our society. That's what's going on in our society today. That's what's taking place in our world, especially in our country today. But here's the divine reality. The divine reality, according to Holy Scripture, is what? There is can there's something that's going to be canceled. And what's going to be canceled is this world. God himself is going to cancel this world. He's going to bring this world to an end, according to the Bible. He's, and, and he's going to bring this world to an end when Jesus Christ returns, bringing forth the new heavens and the new earth. He's going to cancel the world. The world is not canceling Christ. Christ will cancel out the world. But there's good news. There is hope. There's hope in this good news. And the good news comes in a man. It comes in a man. Uh, and, and this man is a God-man who came down from heaven to rescue us, to restore a canceled world. Our, that's what our sermon series this, during this Lent season is about. That's what we celebrate during, during this Lent season. We celebrate this God-man that came down to save us, that came down. Because, see, God is, is going to cancel this world regardless because of sin, the sin that came into this world, the sin that, that, that brought death into this world. God was going to cancel it. And so the only hope was God himself to redeem, to restore the counseled world for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now you heard that, you heard that you've heard the gospel message. But you're see what you're seeing now in this world is is being played out. The message of the gospel, the message of the Bible is being played out in front of your eyes in real time. Jesus Christ when he walked this earth, set his face like a flint to accomplish the redemption of God's people. That's what our passage today is about. 
That's what our celebration during this Lent season is all about. As we turn to our text, we get a uh, we can get a better idea of what this the, of what of what our passage means. Okay, we pick up the story in verse fifty-one of chapter nine of, of the Gospel of Saint Luke. There we are told that the time, the day for Jesus to be taken up had drawn near, okay? The time, the day for Jesus to be taken up had drawn near. Now, before we look at this, uh, let's look at the second half of the verse to get a better understanding of what this means, of what our passage means, all right? Uh, of what is taking place. Now the the first pass the first part of the the, the passage again the, the the second part I'm sorry we want to look at the second part of the verse to get a better idea of what the first part of the verse means okay and what our passage means is is about so the second part of the verse says he that would be Jesus he set his face to go to Jerusalem he set his face to go to Jerusalem now the the phrase he set his face is very biblical. It's a, it's a very profound phrase. It, it is a very profound figure of speech. The writer of this book, St. Luke, knows that. So he intentionally writes it that way. St. Luke uh, writes it so he can bring the full meaning of what is taking place. Luke takes that phrase. Luke takes the phrase, that the figure of speech, the, the, that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He takes that from Isaiah chapter 50. Okay, the Old Testament of Isaiah chapter 50 is what Luke is talking about. Luke is referring back then, okay, where God's suffering servant, now listen to me, now where God's suffering servant in chapter 50 of Isaiah, it's talking about him, and the suffering servant is talking. God's suffering servant, and by the way, God's suffering servant is who? It's a foreshadow of who? Jesus, right, the Messiah. This is a messianic passage in Isaiah 50. God's suffering servant is a foreshadow of the future Messiah who is still to come. Now, this prophecy in Isaiah is written almost 800 years before Jesus actually shows up, before Jesus is born. So Isaiah uses the phrase set that, that, that he attributes to the Messiah. He says, set my face like a flint to describe the coming Messiah's unwavering determination to accomplish the task that he has set before him, okay? So even back then, the prophets are talking about this messianic figure that's going to show up, and he's going to set his face like a flint to accomplish the task that he is set out to accomplish. So we're giving, we're giving this foreshadow now. 800 years later, we're told in Luke that Jesus, the, 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 and the writers, the, the witnesses say this. They said, Jesus set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. Now, what happens to every prophet or every holy man? 
in Scripture. What happens to them in Jerusalem? They die. They get killed. And we know, we have the benefit of knowing that what happens to Jesus. And where is he going to die? In Jerusalem. But it's, he's, not, he's not wavering. He's not deterred about this. He set his face like he's locked in to what he's going to do. He's locked into his mission, his rescue mission to save God's people. He has set his face to where he has to go. Incredible. That's that's so that's what that's what Luke is trying. That's the message Luke is trying to say when he says that, when he uses that figure of speech. Uh, in the Old Testament, flint. Well, flint, what is it? Flint is, is a hard, uh, dark rock, basically, used figuratively to express hardship. In the Old Testament, we, when it talks about flint, it's used figuratively to, to express some hardship, okay? Uh, so firmness, the firmness of, of, of uh, horses' hooves or the, or the toughness of an impossible task that we refer to it as, as flint. Uh, it is an inflexible and unwavering determination to accomplish a task. And that is what Jesus is set to do. And that's why the writers, that's why when Luke interviews the eyewitnesses who were with Jesus at that time, that's what they said about it. He was locked in. He was locked into what he was doing. He wasn't wavering about what he had to accomplish to save you. So when we look at Isaiah verse 7, we see the suffering servant, this messianic figure, express his complete, complete confidence and trust in who? In God. In Jesus' case, the Father, God the Father. His faith in God is unwavering. He's locked into what he's going to do because he knows that, that God is on his side. God is going to make it happen. He's going to do what he's called to do because he has his faith is unwavering in the Lord, in God himself. Despite the severe suffering and the opposition and humiliation that he's going to encounter, he's locked in on doing what he has to do for our sake. Now, I don't want you to overlook this, okay? Because sometimes we, when we think about our salvation and we hear that God loves us and when we hear that Jesus came to save us, we just, it, we just, don't, we just don't acknowledge how big this was, how huge it was. We don't acknowledge that the Son of God himself knew that he was going to undertake severe punishment. And was going to go die for our sake. And so the, the, when we read Holy Scripture, we read passages such as Isaiah 50 or this passage today, we cannot overlook the power of this passage. And what should it do to you when you hear a passage like this? It should inspire you that much more to rejoice in his love for you personally, that it's not made up, that it is real, and it is to be rejoiced in 
It, it, it is to, to rejoice in and, and savor the, 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 the love that he's given us, okay? So the, the back in Isaiah, the, the suffering servant, the, this Messianic figure knows that the sovereign God will help him and will not let him be disgraced, even though that's what happens. But he knows he's going to accomplish it. Therefore, this suffering servant says, I will set my face like a flint. That's what that means. This is the message that St. Luke is trying to convey when he writes this passage based on the witnesses, the eyewitnesses who testify to this. He, Jesus, set his face like flint to go die in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a place where the those messianic figure where Christ would die, would face his ultimate death, a uh, human death, so to speak. Now, as we look at the first part of the passage, uh, verse 51, we can clearly see what Jesus is going to do in Jerusalem, that what he's going to do in Jerusalem has been preordained. The first part of the verse makes it clear that Jesus is not just, just kind of living off the, uh, just the, on the fly, so to speak. This has all been preordained by God himself. This is, a, this is undoubtedly uh, a reference to the covenant, what we would call the eternal covenant made before the universe was spoken. I've talked about this before. There was a covenant by the triune God made before God even spoke the universe into existence that God knew that the universe would fall and that he was going to cancel it out because, because of sin, because of our sin. So he knew it ahead of time but made a covenant with the triune God, so to speak, the Godhead of how he would restore it, of how he would save it. The God would, the Father would give grace. The Son would go, come down, come down from heaven, humiliate himself to become a human. And, and how he would, um, to, to die, how you would die for our sins and how the Holy Spirit would apply the salvation to God's people. Ahead of time, ahead of this all. So that is, that is an indication of the incarnation what is the incarnation that God the Son would become a human being, that he would be born a babe, of the, born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to walk this earth and live a sinless life. It is, it is a, 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 um, a force that it, it tells us that, that the, incarn the, the uh, incarnation was foretold. It also tells us that the crucifixion was foretold, was foreordained, that the extreme suffering and death by Jesus on the cross was already foreordained. And that the resurrection was foreordained, that Jesus would overcome death, sin and death, in the resurrection, and that the ascension of Christ was foreordained. All before the universe was spoken to existence. Now, that's a lot of stuff. We're talking about... a. a in, in, in a time frame of human history, I mean, uh, a, a large, a huge time frame of hu human history taking place here. 
And it is even, it's even talking about something that takes place outside of time and space. This is major stuff that's going to happen that's going to involve the triune God and even the suffering of the God the Son and his death. So you got to ask the question, why? Why? Why would God do this? Okay? Why would God go through all this trouble for you? Now, some of us might arrogantly think or say, well, I'm worth it. I mean, I'm doing the best I can. I'm really kind of worth it. I, I do the best I can. I'm kind to people. I give money to those guys, those homeless people on the side of the road there. I do a lot of kind acts. They would arrogantly, pridefully think that they're worth it. And the reality is, that you, you and, and, and us and our sinfulness are only worth the righteous condemnation that we will get when we're judged by God. And somebody else might say, well, God saves me because he created me. I mean, I'm part of his creation. He created me. So he, he loves me. He wants to save me. Now that too is not correct because Holy Scripture says that God does not save everybody. Now if that was true, he would save everybody, but he doesn't. He only saves a chosen few. He chooses. He blesses with his, with his grace. So again, let me ask you the question, why would God do this? Why would God go to all this trouble for you? And the answer is, you ready? Ready, ready, he loves you, he loves you. It's hard to comprehend that, okay? It is hard to understand that it's beyond our comprehension because there's nothing in us worth loving, okay? There's nothing in us worth loving. Jesus, God, loves us, and that's why he has saved us. And that's why we rejoice. That's why we're humbled. That's why when you hear the call of God calling you to come to him, to follow him, you should be humbled by that as you rejoice and celebrate that he loves you enough to save you eternally because he doesn't save everybody. And you're not better than anyone else. No, 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 you're not. He decides who he saves. How he goes about it, I don't know. I don't know. We don't have that privilege to know. But what he does, what God does, is absolutely, perfectly Right, righteous, perfectly righteous. Will Smith at the award ceremony. Afterwards, he actually wins an award for a movie. And after the the afterwards, you know, they do an interview about who won the award. Well, he he starts talking about what he did. He was still there. He was talking about what he did, and he said that he was inspired by guess who? 
He said, God, he said, God, God has been making him do this. God has been driving his life. God is working on him to do these things that he has been called to do. It is God. He uses the name of God. And by the way, in cancel culture, you're going to hear a lot about the use of God. God, they're going to use God, God, God all over the place. In fact, they're going to misquote Jesus. And they're going to misquote or take Holy Scripture out of context all the time. It's going to happen. And it ha it's happened already. It's going to continue to happen. God, Will Smith says he's taking a stance to cancel out anything or anyone who disagrees with what he believes that he thinks. He believes that he's God sent. God sent. Now, I want you to know that at one time, Will Smith was a Christian. Well, he was raised a Christian. So I'm sure he still calls himself a Christian, okay? He was, again, he was raised a Christian, and he believed that he was honoring his wife by stepping up and going over there and, and responding violently to a joke that was spoken about his wife's hair. He believes that he was defending her honor, okay? And, and he believes that he can do that by cancel culture, by violence. It's no longer, hey, don't say that. Now, you know, it took it kind of personal. You know, say it afterwards or something. Grab Chris Rock. No, I'm going to take it upon me to shut you down, to respond violently to you, to stop you. That's the way culture is with Christianity. They want to stop it where they can. They want to shut it down. But again, he said he's defending his wife's honor. Well, this is the wife that told him that, that she wants to have an open marriage, that she's had an open marriage, meaning relations with other people. And she talked him, talked him into having an open marriage, meaning sexual relations with other people. That's the same wife he's trying to say to, to honor saying he's a Christian. That's not a Christian. That's not a Christian response. That reminds me of an Old Testament story of Jezebel. Remember Jezebel from the book of Kings? Jezebel was a pagan. And, and uh, Ahab was a king of Israel. And he took Jezebel as a wife. And Jezebel corrupted her husband who was a weak man, who, who, who certainly wasn't following God, because if he would, if he wouldn't tolerate it. Jezebel instituted, with, with her husband, Jezebel instituted the, the worship of Baal and Asherah she, into Israel, which is evil in God's eyes, which is sinful in God's eyes. She instituted basically the worship of idols, pagan worship. I don't know whose God Will Smith is talking about, but it's not the God of Scripture. See, that God would have turned the other would have turned the other sheik. That God would have called Will and all of us. He calls us to love God and love and love our neighbor, our neighbor. That is not the God that cancel culture is about. They're their own gods, or they worship some other 
created gods in their mind. So here's a big question as we wrap it up. Are you a part of cancel culture? Are you a part of cancel culture? Are you trying to cancel out the divine truth spoken about in Holy Scripture? Oh, wait a minute, Manny. Now you're getting personal. Well, here's what I mean. If you call yourself a Christian, and you, that means you're abiding that, you, that you're going to submit to Christ. You're going to submit to being obedient to the Lord God Almighty, to, to Jesus Christ himself. If you're a part of cancel culture, that means that there's something in submitting to Christ, be obedient to God's word, that you don't want to do. So you're going to cancel it out. You're going to cancel it out. That means you're a part of cancel culture because you're not gonna, you're already gonna submit to God, to Christ, in only certain things, but not everything. You're gonna hold back. And guess what? God is not gonna take 99% of you. The Lord God Almighty is only gonna take 100% of you. He's gonna take all of you. He demands it and he he earns it. He needs it. Now, he doesn't need your worship, but but he deserves it. He deserves 100% of you. You. You cannot be a part of cancel culture. You have to submit in obedience to being and obeying Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that takes work. That's a process of what we call sanctification. Living the life, a holy life. Being made holy as we continue to live our lives. Jesus calls out to you saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So it is time, and that's how we live our lives. We repent and believe, repent and believe as we live our lives to glorify God. Let us pray. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.